Father in heaven, we ask that you would send your Holy Spirit now as we contemplate our mental health. Please help Lori to explain and to make it understood and clear as to the things that she has that she wants to share and open our minds that we may be able to understand the things that she so dearly wants us to understand and know. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, some of you got little cards. You might need more cards. Anybody who needs a card to write on if they choose. I would like you, while you're, um, while I'm talking, to jot down an idea that you feel that impacts you. Now, they've done some surveys on how it is that we listen and we get the message. They found out that when I'm talking, just like I'm talking right now, most of you will probably forget, I, I'm not a statistic person, it was something like 85% of what I will say. If you write something down and you review it later, you'll kind of more, you, you get it more, maybe like 65%, that was pretty good. But if you say, when I look at that about forgiveness, we'll give that as an example, and it remains to me this, because when this happened to me, whatever, and then you tell somebody else about it, just like when we witness to people about what Christ has done for us, it really touches our hearts so much more, and we get it in our brain better. So I will only ask for a couple of people at the end to share something that they got out of our talk today and how they can apply it in their life, because we just don't have that much time. And so if you would just jot something down that impacts you that you think would be really helpful, that would be great, and I'll ask you at the end of class. And if you don't get to share, you'll get to bring that little card home and remember it. How's that? You know, there are prisons out there made out of concrete. Any of you seen one? Describe what you would see. Walls, concrete walls, right? And you said barbed wire and glass. I'm trying not to look at the door. And... <laughs> And it would be, and guard towers. And people are where in those? They're in those little cells, and they are stuck. And we go, oh, thank goodness it's not me, right? But the truth is what? There are many people, even in this room, that have a prison in their mind, and they truly are imprisoned by the way they're thinking, the way they're living their life, the way that they can't get over some traumatic difficulty, the way that they are stressed over some situation, they are in a self-made prison. Would you agree? And we can get into those prisons. Can you um, give me some short answers? How can we get into those prisons? By somebody what? Like when you're in a prison without walls that your husband puts you in. Okay, so maybe you're very dis distressed over a marital situation, and all you can do is think about, oh, how can I, you know, just like this constant thought. Anybody else? Addiction. Addiction. Is that not a prison? When you have that fear, actually, fear is like the root of many of these things. What am I going to do? What am I, what's going to happen? What am, what's going to happen in the future? How am I going to get through this? Remember that that saying that we used to have when we were growing up, sticks and stones may, but words will never hurt me. Is that true? No. How many of you remember when you got your knee hurt? 
Wow, not many of you put your foot up. I mean, your foot up. <laughs> That's because I have my foot in my mouth all the time. How many of you know somebody who said something that was very demeaning to you and discouraging, and you just never got over it? And I don't really need to even have you put your hand up because you know it, right? And you never forgot it, right? How about when somebody complimented you? Wasn't that really nice? And you remembered that too. But actually, the bad things can outweigh the good things in our mind. Who, who would want you to remember all the bad things? Absolutely. He just continues to hammer you and push your, those nails into your head, right? It just like, oh, it's really difficult. Um, physical illness, I, I had a really bad Christmas. Oh, it started Christmas morning. I didn't know I had gallstones. They can kill you. And I got pancreatitis, and I lost my um, gallbladder, and then I, but I had a big problem on the operating table. Fluid came up in my chest, and actually it was traumatic to me. And then we decided that we would go on vacation anyway. We decided to go to Mexico where we had reservations. We didn't want to waste them. I'd been saving for it. And we went. Oh, by the way, I got home, and I had a kidney stone. Ended up in the hospital again. Same Seven days, you know? So two days later, we went to Mexico, and I got the worst case of food poisoning. And I got it on the way home on the plane. And I got home, and my mother was having eye surgery, and she, my friends, my husband was going to take her, but he got food poisoning that day. So I had friends that had to help me, and my mother had a complication. She was... You know, when you're in your 80s, you can get really loopy over the anesthesia, and her, um, her cataract all crackled in her eyes, so they had pieces in there, and they had to go back in and have another surgery. And I'm still nauseated, and she gets a bug. So I end up going to the hospital with her. It was just, it just happened, you know how? And you know, you know that the devil's out to get you, right? And people, so I'm fine now, right? It took about a month to get over that pancreatitis, and you get all that nausea done. And I'm fine. But up here, people are going, how are you doing? <laughs> I heard you almost died. You, are you feeling okay? And I'm like thinking, well, I don't know. Maybe I'd... And they're going, your coloring's looking a little better than it used to. I'm like, was it really that bad? And... What I notice is, like, I'm fine physically, but the trauma of what happened can stick with you. Have you ever had that? And you keep thinking, I just can't believe that happened, right? I just can't believe that. I just can't believe that happened. And the truth is, is that, well, even the Bible talks about it, that we have many problems, but they are not going to be healed. And it means that on earth, we're going to suffer a lot of natural consequences, and we need God to help us. Bones may break, but your words are forever, right? And perhaps you've been gossiped about or hurt, or somebody said something really unkind, or somebody was discouraging and said, I don't think you'll ever make anything of yourself, or, or I don't think you're going to go anywhere. You've been wrongfully accused or misunderstood, or your reputation was hurt, and it really impacts us with fear, doesn't it? Feeling fearful. I'm... You know, just by talking about it will bring stuff up. And I want you to know we're going to go into a positive place pretty soon. 
But the fear, a fear of want, not wanting to sound like a fool, it starts to impact our self-esteem, which on Wednesday we're going to talk about self-esteem. And fear that somebody's going to mis um, misuse me or reject me or betray me, right? Starts to get us really focused on ourself, right? And then that makes us in our self-made prison. And when we're in a prison, mentally, how does it impact our Christian experience? She's, she's, she's doing sign language, yeah. Downward, what, what would go downward? Our happiness. It steals our joy. Peace, are we supposed to have peace? It steals our peace. And it makes us anxious about what's coming up next. And it makes us always be fearful about the future, correct? Um, if you've had some major devastating illness, you might be feeling that way. People come in for counseling after they've gone through a terrible time with cancer. And I bet loads of people in this room either have been through a cancer scare or have been through something with someone that they love because it's so common. And what happens is that when we stop treating it, we still get worried about, now what do I need to do? How do I know it's not coming back? Or you get a little sore or you go, oh, no, that could be it again, right? There's just... Things steal our peace because of the trauma. Here's that text. Jeremiah 30.12 tells us that our wounds are incurable. And I looked up wounds, and that means hurts, fears, doubts, guilt. Hmm. When we gave our lives to Jesus, what did he promise that he would heal? Us with his stripes, wasn't it? How many of you are living a healed life? I, I don't need your hands up. But do you feel like you're wholly healed? Holy with a W. Holy healed? Um, when I gave my life to Christ, I thought that that was going to be all I needed to do, right? Amazing that it was not. My mind can fill up with garbage just like always. Gossip, critiquing people. Found it real easy. The devil could use my mouth. Open mouth, insert foot. Didn't I just say that? Dry off one, put the next one in, yeah. Yeah. So why is it that if we're supposed to be healed with Christ's stripes, that so many of us are still walking around wounded? That just doesn't make sense. Maybe it's because we forgot one of the biblical principles, which is that God wants to do what to our minds? renew our minds, doesn't he? Well, how does that happen? Does it just happen? And here's, I've been trying to study it to figure out what's that biblical concept. I'm going to read that, Romans 12, 2, and if you have it, you're welcome to read it. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. You shouldn't be just like your neighbors because we are what kind of a people? Peculiar. I, I want to change that to special. Peculiar just is <laughs> negative. But special, peculiar means special. We are different. We should look different, shouldn't we? We should act different. We should be able to cope differently. We should be able to feel differently. We should be able to have our focus on God and be you know, completely uninhibited about our worship with him. And yet, we're not doing that. So let's read this again. Romans 12, 2. I'm doing it and the New International Version, and I'm doing the first part. 
do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be... Well, what does transform mean? Changed. Be transformed by the what? Renewing of your minds. Well, I keep looking at transformed, renewing, and you'll see that there's a lot of things about reading God's Word in the Bible. And I'm convinced <coughs> that one of the things we need to do is dil diligently search the Scriptures, and as we do that, oh, my water's gone. As we do that, oh, thank you. Getting dry with that fan. As we do that, <coughs> and we take time to pray, that little by little, verse by verse, passage by passage, we start to change and we don't even know, right? So when I say, well, how come I haven't changed? That's a sin too, to keep looking at myself because by beholding Him, what? We need to make sure we're beholding Him. And there are people who need more help than just reading Scripture and getting to know Scripture. And we're talking not about people who are having serious issues, but we're talking about how important it is to read the Scripture. And in time, as we do that, our minds change, our attitudes change, our concerns change. Have any of you read Stormy O'Mardians about how to, change, how to pray for your spouse? And the, and the precept on that is that when they took couples that prayed, I'm sorry, prayed for their spouse. They gave them a prayer. It was kind of a silly prayer because they wanted everybody to do the same thing so they could measure them. They didn't, it didn't matter whether they were Muslim or Christian or whatever. Um, they had them praying for their spouse. And in 30 days, you know how they do a pre-test and a post-test. Pre-test, they weren't very distressed. Most of them were kind of average. They said their marriages were average. But at the end of the 30 days, they measured them. They had more love for their spouse. They felt better about the problems. And they felt that, um, that they had improved their situation. Well, you think about that. When we are really distressed about something, most of us don't like to keep that in. We want to talk to somebody. Isn't that true? When we talk to our Heavenly Father, we're getting it off our chest, are we not? When we're writing about it to Him and journaling it, that's a very important way, too, to get rid of some of that. When we're thinking about somebody in a loving way because we're praying for them, we start to have a new feeling and more interest in that person. And the Lord does some amazing things. At Stanford, they asked people to pray for odd floors of a hospital. Now, none of the people in the hospital knew that there was this prayer group that was praying for them. At the end of a 30, 30, I'm sorry, 30 day period, they looked at the statistics. The people on the odd floors healed faster, went home faster, had fewer deaths. The ones on the even floors had many more problems. They didn't even know it. So to think that just praying for somebody actually helps something. It's very important. Do not minimize how important prayer is. I had a Polish grandmother. She was quite the personality. She was crazy. I have no doubt she was crazy. Probably had some mental health personality. 
And my 38 cousins on that side, a Polish Catholic family, they think that I'm similar to her. That is not, that is not nice. And when I was in college, she would write to me. I'll have to tell you the whole story. She would write to me and she would say, now that you're at Pacific Union College in California, do you know that there are many Hawaiians there? Why don't you find a Hawaiian? Because I heard that they lose their hair less. They keep their good hair for more longer and they won't ever get bald. So I wrote back and said, well, I'm dating a South African and he's already showing signs of baldness. And she wrote back, it's not too late. Find one, it's not too late, don't go any farther. She also told me that, that she did not like her church. She thought everybody was stuck up there. I was starting to really get worried about her personal life and her spiritual life. She said when she'd go to church, everybody would want to shake her hand, so she'd take a scarf around her neck, and every time somebody looked like they were coming up to shake her hand, she'd wrap her hand in the scarf and say, hurt hand, can't shake your hand today. So I said to her, it was, you know, I'm old. The Living Bible was kind of new back then. So I said to her, Grandma, you know, I want you to read the Bible and be happy going to church, and maybe you need to read your Bible more often. And I know that you told me it doesn't make sense to you, but have you ever tried a living Bible? I would be happy to buy one for you. And she sent me a letter back, and it says, I have 18 Bibles. None of them are living. They're all sitting on the counter and, or on the bookshelf, and they're gathering dust. They just sit there. And I guess I have to ask all of you, is yours just sitting there? Because we need to be reading it, right? How often? Not, not a devotional. Not, not something else. We really need to read the Bible because there's some power in that Bible. And it really does point out our errors in our thinking. And it really does show us people's experiences that have made mistakes, even though they're from other times and, and dates. It's just that it helps us to understand and avoid some issues. You know, in history, we are told that we learn history because why? It helps us not to repeat the same mistakes. Mrs. White said that we have nothing to fear for the future except if we forget how the Lord has led us in the past. When we have an issue, we need to remember that the Lord led us through the past. Why are we getting so keyed up about it, right? That helps us to cope, doesn't it? Another dysfunctional way, well, by the way, when we think in a dysfunctional way, we're supposed to have our minds renewed by the Bible and by prayer, a dysfunctional way that we often think that will impact us. By the way, does it just impact us mentally? Helps us, I mean, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. How can um, mental health negative thinking impact us physically? Anybody know? Stress hormones, ulcers. ulcers, fatigue. Yeah, my husband and I got in a little squabble right after we got married, and my neck broke out in hives when he took my credit cards and cut them up. <laughs> my mother, you know how mothers are. Oh, honey, what's the matter? Something wrong with you? I'm like, oh, we just had a little disagreement. I could tell by your neck. Isn't that wonderful? It's like a little gauge. Yeah, 
But the um, other way that is dysfunctional is the if-only thinking. If only what? If only I had more money, I could be happier. By the way, we think that often, don't we? Money doesn't hug you. It doesn't give you compliments. It doesn't encourage you. It doesn't, it doesn't come to dinner on Thanksgiving. You know, money is not all that it's out there to be. If only I was married, I'd be happier. If only I had a bigger house, I'd be happier. You ever had somebody who said, I just want a bigger house. I just, I can't stand, I, you know, it's just too small. I don't have places to put it. And then, like, this is what happens because I do counseling and I'm, I'm so old and and people come back 10 years later, and then they go, this house, you know, I can't hardly pay the mortgage. Nobody helps me with the housework, and I just feel like that's all I do is clean. Yeah, you know how that is? Yeah, or if, um, if only I wasn't so busy, I'd be a soul winner. You ever met somebody who's retired, and they go, I'm so busy, you know, we've got this woodworking shop, and we're like, yeah, it's like we do what we want to do when we want to do it, right? Or if only I'd have more time, I'd go get exercise. Yeah, talking to myself. Okay, if only I'd gone back to school, people would look at me different, or I could have gotten a different job. Anybody ever heard of that kind of thinking? What's your if only? And I'm not going to ask you. I want you to think. What is my if only? What's wrong with if only? What's wrong with that statement? If only. What was that? Keeps you stuck in a prison because why you're you're not allowed to be happy unless you attain a certain thing you're never happy with the process you're only happy if you get to a goal what else regrets you know what the bible has something to say about that well first of all i'm going to give you a word picture do you like word pictures let's say you're driving a car and you're trying to go forward but you keep your eye on the rear view mirror what happens? It's kind of like when, I don't know how those dental hygienists put those mirrors in. They know where to move. Have you ever done that and you're trying to go and you're going the wrong way? Like, yeah. So when we have regrets, we're going the wrong way, aren't we? We're back focused. We're past focused. And here is a verse in John 10.10. 10. It says, God wants to give us life in all of its what? Fullness. Is that a full life when you're focused on the past all the time? So many times it's about guilt, right? We feel really guilty. Guilt makes us feel really bitter. By the way, so it's lack of forgiveness, guilt, bitterness. You ever seen a bitter person? Maybe you can see it in their face and you go, oh, they seem like they've had a real problem. You can see it in their face. Or somebody who divorced somebody without maybe reason, but they always are trying to show that they're a good person, they're doing something, they, keep, they, do, they go the opposite and you go, I, I don't even know who that person is. They've, they've changed so completely. Like guilt can really motivate us to do some really difficult things. I mean, some awful things. So we need to forgive who? Yes, we do. You know, humans don't forget things. Have you noticed? Remember that? Yeah, especially women. Yeah. You say to the man, so you know, you remember that thing you did? And they go, huh? <laughs> well, you, you remember when you said that? I did? 
right? The woman goes, yeah, you set it at 3 o'clock, and you said this, this, and this, right? Because emotion burns it into her brain. Yeah. Guiltiness is not okay because we have a Father that wants to forgive us. Humans may never forget it. Remember that thing about forgive and forget? Well, that's a big lie, isn't it? We forgive, but the other part is forget. Like, why do we have brains? The Lord wanted us to remember some things so that we're wise. If Sharon back there, she's going, oh, no, what now? If Sharon had a baseball bat and she hit me, I might forgive Sharon, right? But I need to know that it was Sharon that had that baseball bat, so I'm going to watch to make sure she's not carrying it again when I see her at camp meeting, right? <laughs> and I, I may say, Sharon, I, I love you, the Lord loves you, but you can't be my friend anymore, and I'm not going to be having you in my house because I have so many bats all the way around my house, and I'm afraid that you might pull one out and hit me, right? We can't think that forgiveness means that they're always going to regain our respect or that they don't have a consequence or that they're going to be our best friend or that they're going to be in our friendly circle or that we can have our children by them. We can't do that, but we do have to forgive. Who says that? God. So we have to forgive people. A lot of people are saying, well, no, I could never forgive them for that. Oh, don't allow nothing to happen to you with God, you know, banner over you because you're unprotected. Because God said that he wanted us to forgive. And if we don't forgive, we are unprotected. Clarify? Lack of forgiveness? Yes, it turns into bitterness, and then we often carry a lot of guilt. Thank you for reminding me. I'm like one of those, I must have, I don't have as much estrogen, because I forget when I say things, too. Thankfully, God... Jesus came to rid us of our guilt and paid us for our sins. So if you don't feel forgiven, what's the problem? What's wrong with it if we don't feel forgiven? Nothing. Our feelings are damaged. What does the Bible say? He is faithful to forgive us our sins. Is he a liar? Absolutely not. We can't go by our feelings. Say today to yourself, I will not let my feelings decide my behavior. I will not let my fear decide my behavior. I will not allow the devil to have a conquer over me and allow him to conquer my life because I don't feel something. We can no longer allow feelings to keep our behavior going. We have to remember what God says. The Sabbath, how many of you feel like doing something on Sabbath? Any of you feel like sleeping in? How many of you feel like you've just had it and you don't want to go to church anymore? Right? How many of you feel like you'd like to slap your kids? I'm really glad you don't. It's funny that you can do that for your kids, but we need to be thinking about worshiping God and doing what we need to do because of the principle of it, right? Not because of the feeling. All right. Feelings cannot be trusted. When we allow them to run our lives, we dishonor God. We need to be going by principles. And guess what? When we are honoring God, we're praying, we're encouraging, we're, we're um, working on our feelings. I'm sorry. When we are working on what God wants us to do, we expect that God's going to help our damaged feelings to start healing. Yesterday, I hate to say that, I, I was really frustrated. Something happened. Somebody was mad at me. 
And then I started to feel mad at them. Did you ever get that? And I couldn't get that person. I was like, I kept trying to go to see them so that I could get it resolved because I do not want any problems between me and another person. And the Lord kept telling me that I just needed to get that resolved. There's something about letting something stay. It stinks, right? And I just couldn't get a hold of that person. It was something that I said they got offended, and then I got offended that they got offended, right? So I was really in a... Have you ever done that? You're kind of... And I'm like, Lord, what do I need to do? Well, I had a thermos from a banquet in my back of my trunk with ice water and a drink. And it said, go out and serve the people in the parking lot detail. So I went out with my cups in my car, and I go, hi, are you thirsty? And they're going, <laughs> I'm like, do you want something to drink? And they're going, like what? <laughs> And I'm like, well, we got, some, we got some tropical juice with ginger in it. It's a little unusual, but it's very refreshing if you'd like to try it. And they'd go, sure, I'll, I'll give it a little. And then they're like, this is so nice of you. Thank you. That's really refreshing. And I'm like, you're welcome. I'm like, oh, I hit that eight times. By that time, I was happy. And then I found the person I needed to talk to. We got it all resolved. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, for not letting it ruin my camp meeting experience, right? We do need to just ask the Lord what we need to do because he's going to help us. And when we have these feelings of regret or guilt come up in our mind, we have to go, Lord, I've asked you for forgiveness and I know that you didn't lie, so I'm I'm forgiven, so help me to forgive myself because I need to keep working on that. God puts such a precious value on our lives. He sent his son to die for us, and if we continue to sin with our thinking, we're really adding more to that woe, aren't we? We just don't want to hurt our Savior. Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, for who? Who can be against us? Do you claim that? When you're really having a hard time with your thinking, I hope you're claiming that. It's very important. The devil wants us to get down on ourselves because he is against us. I don't want to be on his team, do you? Do you remember? Okay, that word, remember. Remember is used with what verses? Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Okay, then it's used another time. Remember. Actually, it's a remembrance. Well, it's a, it's a longer word, remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. What is that? Communion. Uh, Lot's wife. It's about remember Lot's wife. Because she sinned and wasn't looking towards God. She was not looking towards the future. She turned around and she looked back. And what happened? Her life was done. Well, I, I thought it was interesting because I think there's only four times that they say remember or remembrance in the Bible. And it's in Isaiah 43, 18, and 19. And it, it used biblical language, so I'm going to ask you how you would say it. It says, remember not the former things, which means in our w- words today, stop thinking about the past, former things. Is that right? Let's read it again. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old, consider, um, because I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Like, don't you get it? (laughs) 
So let's say, remember not. So we are not supposed to do what? Remember the things of old. Any of you obsessed about the things of old? That happened to me. I didn't like that. I better keep an eye on somebody. That's not okay. You know, I never know if they're going to be up to something, right? Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. By the way, I, I get people in. Bless their hearts, they really are struggling. I had this lady that came in, and her husband has a hard time not looking at women. He's never, never had an affair. The women might be on television. They might be in the newspaper. They might be a waitress or whatever. And so she took out of her purse pages of, she wrote down every date that he did that and why she can't forgive him. Bless her heart. And I said... You know, I'm trying very hard because it's so shocking to me. By the way, this was, she, they'd been married for 48 years. So this is pages and pages and pages that she's kept and written so kindly. And I said to her, you must be really tired. Oh, she said, I am. And I said, I bet this kind of stuff could really make you sick. And she said, oh, you don't know. I have nerve myalgia. I have allergies, I have stomach problems, I, I can't focus on my kids, my kids think I'm obsessed with my husband and I'm just so angry at him. And I said, so physically it's taking you down. What do you think you're going to need to do to get better? And she said, I don't know. I said, what if we burn those things that you have? And she said, oh, no, this is my record. This shows him what he's done. I said, so what if the Lord calls you to forgive him? Well, I'm just not going to forgive that easily. No. I said, so did he ever call anybody, or did he ever get their phone number? Or did you ever see him? with? Nope. And I said, isn't it wonderful that even though he looks and sees all the, you know, those women, that he's always chosen to come back to you? And she said, yeah, but I don't know if he really wanted to. <laughs> Bless her heart. I mean, you know, she's really struggling with her mental health. But she is so sick physically. And she just could not understand why you would ever want to forgive somebody. We had a really hard time and it never did get any better. She probably thought I was a terrible therapist because I didn't heal her. But Regret and unforgiveness, it saps our energy, it steals our joy, it steals our peace, and it ruins our hope for the future. And what is our hope for the future? I want to be ready when Jesus comes. Jesus said, I mean, God said, I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers for you. He does not want our minds cluttered with the things of the past. If you think insecure, how will you be? If you act frightened and you think about being frightened, how will you be? If you have somebody who says, oh, that's so sad. I'm so sorry for you. Just like somebody keeps asking me how I'm doing. How do you feel? I'm not going to say it. I just want to add to it. I'm not giving the, I don't want to be on the devil's side. But here's what Proverbs 23, 7 says. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Isn't that interesting? My daughter, I just used to, she was a, she had that little melancholy flair. Robbie's her beloved babysitter as we were in Kalamazoo. And she'd go, Bobby, look, look at my finger. And I'd go, Wow, a, a paper cut. She goes, yes, it's a paper cut. 
So then I would say, you know, when she'd do something like that, well, I'm so glad that you have nine other fingers and they didn't get a paper cut. So she'd go to her dad and he'd go, oh, I hate paper cuts. That must be miserable. I'm like, two melancholies, right? And they almost cry together, right? <laughs> I'm just like, we need to think out of the box, right? Just like, instead of saying, I had the worst Christmas, you don't know. If I, if, I could give you an organ recital. You know how my gallbladder is and my kidney stone. Instead of doing that, I have to go, but the Lord brought me out of it. And I'm doing great now. And I feel healthy and it's so nice not to feel nausea. I'm just happy about everything, right? Like we need to think the opposite way, right? You think the Lord can take a hold of your thinking? Yes. We said we need to forgive ourselves, but we also need to pray for ourselves. Do you think about it? Connie Vale, she had a son that was killed at one of our churches when they were working on a youth room. He was electrocuted. Connie, I mean, they, they loved their son, but she coped really well. And I said to her, how is it that you are able to just move forward and do okay after such a terrible time. And she said, I pray every day that the Lord will guide my thinking so that I will be stable. And I think that's a big answer. We need to pray for stability, do we not? There's another thing that Christians do, and that is entitlement. They feel that there's other people that owe them something. Um, I could let's apply it to the church that they should get a Sabbath school quarterly but never ever donate any money to it or that they should come to potluck without a, a dish right but they should eat everybody else's food or that people should give them money because they're in a problem but they never when they're doing okay they never give anything back so there's that t entitlement thing there are people that come to my office because I see Christians and they tell me the Lord is supposed to give me what I want in my heart. Remember, he's supposed to give me all the, the desires in my heart. How come I don't have that yet? I want a man, or I want a woman, or I want a car. I want to need a better car. I need... And I'm just like, well, maybe there's a lesson in the wait for you. And just, you know, you have to think about that. And then we have to ask ourselves, am I having an attitude that I deserve more than I'm getting? Do you think America is that way? I deserve more than I'm getting. The government should give me, even the commercials on television, don't you deserve it? Don't you think you deserve a better night? You need a new mattress. Go out and get a big, what is it, McDonald's? You deserve a break today, so go out and get away at McDonald's. Okay, like you deserve it, right? Yeah, and when we're entitled and we think that we shouldn't suffer as much as people near us, then we're false, aren't we? Because it says in this world we will have problems, doesn't it? Here's John 16, 33. I have said to you these things, that in me you can have peace. Did you hear that? That first word is you can have peace. In this world you will have, it starts with a T, tribulation. Another word for what? Troubles, right? But take heart, I have overcome the world. Does that mean all of our tribulations are going to go away because we're Christians? It may be in the next world, right? And we need to love the Lord and be involved with him no matter what happens, correct? Our class goes to what time? Does anybody know?
Okay, I just want to make sure I spend 15 minutes. Quarter to five. Quarter to four, huh? Well, that means we got at least 12 hours, so here we go. <laughs> How about the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence? That looks better to me. She looks better to me. That looks better. I need something like them. Yeah. Isn't that true that when we start to have that feeling that something is wrong all the time? Or how about if somebody walking into the room can make you feel angry or anxious, they have more power than you do because you have allowed them to control your emotions. Who do we want to be controlled by? Do you understand all these things? The Bible talks about them. If we were practicing them and really working on them and thinking about them and putting them in our heart, would we be coping better? God calls us to endure things, and he can help us. We have to put our hands in him, and we have to trust him even when we don't see something around the corner, don't we? Here's another one. Luke 22.40 says, Pray that you do not enter into the temptations. On this sinful earth, he says, you will have troubles. And when we go through troubles and tough situations, they test us, and the Lord will know how we're doing. Because when it's tough is when we learn more, and when things are going well, we don't learn as much. Would that be fair to say? We may hurt, we may be in a terrible trial, we may have a terrible difficulty, and God permitted it. That's annoying too, isn't it? That just doesn't seem right. Because I'm better than anybody else, and I shouldn't have to suffer like other people, right? That's the problem, isn't it? Do you notice that at the point of it, it's all selfishness? I don't want to look bad. I don't want the Lord to test me. I don't want to have a troubled life. I don't want to go through any problems. Why is it that God wants us to not be selfish? Is that because the Lord wants so much for us, more than our neighbor? Because our attitude is, whatever happens, Lord, I want you to go with me and we can get through it together. Wouldn't that be important? And if I think that I deserve something, it's all about me. Me, me, me. Remember, the, Jesus loves the little ones like me, 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 but he didn't want you to say that I want me, me, me taken care of all the time. And Yeah. We're also supposed to ask God for self-control. Did you know that? That's in the Bible. And I love this quote. It says, God wants us to be happy and peaceful. This is from, have you noticed that there's steps to Christ, and if you go online now, there are modern versions of it done by the white estate, and this is steps to Jesus. They rename it a little bit. So this is in that more modern language. And this is from 126. God wants us to be happy and peaceful. By the way, y'all happy and peaceful? You smiling? When you smile, the neurotransmitters in your brain think that you're happy. And it starts to flood serotonin into your brain. So you really are happier than most people when you're smiling. Actually, they said salespeople who smile sell more. Ministers who smile more, look at that, Justin Ringstaff. <laughs> he's always happy. You could never get mad at him, even if he's coming to call you on you and tell you that you did something wrong. He's like, he just loves you, right? That's right. Happiness, is gotten from, happiness that is gotten from being selfish will soon pass away. 
This happiness leaves a person lonely and filled with sorrow, but there's real lasting joy in the service of God. Oh, it's not all about me, 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 me. It's like we need to serve others to get back our happiness. We may miss some of the pleasures in this world, but we can be happy as we think of the joys that we'll have in heaven. Keep your eyes and your focus in the right place because it isn't about down here. I'm like, if I had this cord, you know, this cord is really long here, let's say. This cord is really long. Did you see? Can you see it? It's really long. Can I just tell you back there? It's really long, okay? Okay? Bev, it's really long. This is where we started life, right here. This is where we're going to end life, right here. We're probably right, right in here somewhere, right? Why are we getting so upset about everything on earth when we have all of this time ahead? And it's going to be all good. Do you ever think about perspectives? Does that make sense? All right. We just need to keep focused on where we're going. God can renew our minds, and he can give us healthy thinking patterns. And he can help us fight instability. And he can help us be emotionally stable and healthy. So I'd like you to think about how you can change your mind about something. Have, have any of you struggled with keeping a positive outlook and thinking about Scripture and where you're going and how good things are and how God loves us? Any of you struggle with that? Okay, all of us do. People say, well, I just can't change my mind. Okay, so I would like you to, right now, I'm, I'm just going to do a little exercise. Let's think about somebody who is who you feel needs the Lord, okay? So I want you to think of a name or a person in your mind. And you have really struggled with praying for them, but you haven't seen any successes with them. You haven't seen them move forward. You haven't seen them give their heart to the Lord. They aren't at camp meeting, and you're really concerned about them. When you think about that, now do you all know what feelings are? We've got some men in here. You know what feelings are? <laughs> Sad, happy, discouraged, frustrated, joyful, whatever. Okay, when you think about somebody who you're worried about, what is wiggling over there? Oh, okay. Is there a basket that's hitting the metal? Okay. Let's, let's keep our focus, Lori. <laughs> So when you think about somebody who's getting lost, what are some of the feelings, emotions that come up in your mind? Can anybody give me one? Hopelessness, failure, sadness, concern. Anything else? Are those, are those pleasant emotions? Okay. Um, what are some of the favorite things that you like to eat? <laughs> what? Pizza. Pizza. Anything else? Ice cream. Mashed potatoes. Okay, now I'd like you to think about your favorite food and know that somebody has just made that homemade for you, and when you leave here, you're going to have to eat that. And it's going to taste wonderful because you know the cook. Or the, or the ice cream maker or whatever. 
How do you feel when you think about that? Awesome. What? Good. Good. Awesome. Hungry. Anything else? Emotions? Happy? Joyful? Cheerful? Excited? Okay, we did that in about, what, two minutes? You went from sad to happy. The Lord can change your mind, and he wants to do that by you memorizing scripture or by you counting promises because he wants your mind to be happy. If you're happy, you're going to be able to do many more things for him. If you're discouraged and you're depressed, you're going to be doing many less things. He will actually not be able to use you in many things. People will burn out faster, the lack of forgiveness. They'll have more issues with depression and anxiety. I'm not telling you this is going to cure it if you already have it or whatever, but the way that we think actually changes chemicals in our brain, and the Lord wants us to have 100% healed brains. So he wants more for us than we're claiming. Does that make sense to you? All right. Philippians 3, 4. Paul spoke about perseverance. Well, you know, it's a nice seminar, and I thought happy all afternoon, and then I went home, and it's the same old stuff again, and I just got down again. You ever had that? You went to a retreat, and you were high on the mountain, and then, right? Paul says, I press towards the mark for the high calling of God in Christ. What does press mean? Is that an active verb, or is that a, like, let me see how I feel. When I get there, I'll tell you if I'm better or not. Oh, woe is me. I'll see if I feel better. No, I don't think I do. Sounds like Igor, doesn't it? Yeah. Press towards the mark. We need to be working on it. We need to be focused on it. We need to be aware of it, and we need to continue to work on it. If you wake up in one morning and you're having a bad day, that is not your problem. But... If 10 minutes later you're still having a bad day, that's your problem. Because the Lord, once, once you're aware, you can change your mind and decide what you're going to think about and how you're going to focus and what your attitude's going to be, and you can pray for the Lord's divine help. And it is very important for you to think the thoughts that God wants you to think. So if we're going to encourage our brethren and our sisters we're really discouraged, what can we say that would be godly? A verse or whatever? Or thought what? Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Which is? Uh, not to worry about anything, give it all to the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. And he will give you peace that surpasses your understanding. Amen. Okay, anything else? Oh, you did hear that verse. Isn't that encouraging? Empowering, isn't it? Not, we'll see if you can do it. Amen. So isn't scripture a great help? And also saying, you know, I know the Lord's got my life. I know the Lord wants the best for me. When the Lord's convicting my heart, I need to act on it right away so I don't let that damage my feelings and my thoughts. What was that? I know the plans I have for you to prosper you and not to hurt you, right? Here's another thing I'm going to read to you, and then I'm going to open it because I want to hear what pieces impact your life and how you're going to use that in just a minute. Um, <laughs> I'm reading MH. 
Yeah, I wanted to say mental health. I wonder where I got that from. <laughs> MH251. Okay, I won't talk about my brain. Okay. Nothing tends more to promote the health of the body and soul than does the spirit of gratitude and praise. What, what is it that helps the body and soul? I want to make sure you all heard that. What helps your body and soul? Gratitude and praise, right? Somebody starts telling you, oh, yes, you know, I really, you know, the kids are really running around the tents too much. And I'm just, you go, gratitude and praise, right? And what are you happy? Aren't you happy that those kids are alive and that they're at camp meeting? Those little devils, they need the God, right? <laughs> yeah, they need a God, right? I think people keep coming up to me. You know, there's a lot of skunks out there, and I'm like, well, did they get you? No. I'm like, isn't that a wonderful? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it is a positive duty to resist melancholy, discontented thoughts and feelings as much as it is a duty to pray. What, what, did, what did you just hear? Resisting melancholy thoughts is just as important as it is a duty to pray. Yes, things to do and not to do. Those professed Christians, did you hear that? That's like a little attitude. Those professed Christians who are constantly complaining do not have genuine religion. Oh, it's time to close my mouth, isn't it, when I'm thinking bad things? Because we are thinking about it. The devil, you know, you think about the Wizard of Oz. Remember that guy behind there with all those buttons? The devil is punching your buttons, isn't he? And God can change that. But you have to ask him. You might want to say, God, you and I are going to have a great day today, right? Watch out, devil, because here God and I come, right? Yeah. And the devil says, oh, no, they're awake, right? Have you heard that song by the Heritage Singers? I know I'm dating myself. Anybody know the Heritage Singers? And they sang that song, something good is about to happen. You remember that one? Something good, I just know something is good is on the way. I'm like, we need to sing that, not, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, yeah. And then there's a place for that, but we need to make sure we sing this one after that, right? Colossians 3.2 says, set your eyes on the things that are above. Think about the goodness of God on purpose. Perhaps a person says, oh, you just don't know my situation. You say, no, but God does. I'm going to pray with you. Can I pray with you right now? <laughs> Important. You ever th thought that your life was worse than somebody else's? My mom always told me, somebody always has it worse than you. Is that true? Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed my little Carlo. Have you noticed the little one-armed trumpeter? That's my boy. I took him home for Thanksgiving a year and a half ago, and he's my boy now. He, I, I don't want that to sound bad. He, he says, it doesn't sound bad to me, Mother. Yes. Yes, I said, you're just my boy. I just love you. And he said, I always wanted to be loved like this. Yeah, he's sweet. And he has had the worst life. I mean, when you think about the things that have happened in his life, he, he had an arm that had a broken um, wrist, and they tied a string around it with leaves because the leaf doctor or the herb doctor, you're, you're Haitian, is a leaf doctor, an herbal doctor, 
they tied it so tight and he wasn't allowed to touch it for like 14 days to cut all of his circulation off and all they could do was chop his arm off in the end. His father hated him and said, I didn't have a handicapped child, so you're not my kid. His mother was a loving mother, but she didn't give him any leeway. He was to do everything just like other kids because in Haiti, when you're hungry, there's not enough um, opportunity to feed all your kids. You feed the ones that are the strongest, and you only educate the ones that are the strongest, and the other kids are like beggars or whatever. So he had a really hard time coming up. But he's resilient because he loved God. And he had, his mother had him memorizing scripture. And he's like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he had it hard. But he's really, he loves the Lord and he's resilient. And so when I think about all the things that we have in our tr life, I, I just can't imagine. And by the way, his mother was out. He had children, little brothers and sisters. There were six of them. She was out one day, and she never came home. And they realized that she was probably murdered and just buried because that's what they do in that country. They don't call you on the phone, and they don't come to your door. They just bury them. And He never found his mother again. And I just said, somebody has always got it worse than us, and we need to remember that, that these things are really small, and our time on earth is really small, and we just need to get through them because at some point we're going to have a lot better life. So we need to cope better so that we can focus on what God wants us to do in our life. So here's more. James 5, 7. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for his land to yield its valuable crop? He was patiently waiting for autumn and spring. You too be patient and stand firm. Stand firm. Be stable. Focus on being stable. And then verse ten, um, 9, do not grumble against one another. That's another thing. Verse 10 talks about an example of patience in the face of suffering. 11 talks about persevering, being loyal, determined, and steadfast because the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So I say that God wants us to stop our if only and our regrets. He wants us to stop about obsessing on the past. He wants us to forgive ourselves for the mistakes that we've made. Am I doing it too fast? I'm going to get it done, aren't I? Don't look backwards because you might drive into a wall or a tree, right? Stop thinking your happiness is more important than other people's. Stop thinking delusionally that the grass is always greener on the other side of the street. Know that the Lord is going to give you strength for everything that you go through. Stop thinking so selfishly, I just can't do this, I just can't, it's just not fair. Instead you go... I don't know why I have it, but the Lord's going to help me. It's going to be encouraging. The Lord can get me through this. I've gotten through times before in the past, and I know the Lord was with me, and he's going to be with me this time too. Know that the Lord may stretch you during your difficult times with your emotional health, right? All right, so now I'm going to open it up to you, and I'm going to ask you what part of this talk impacted you, and how will you apply it in your life? We can do all things through God. We can do all, thi all things through God who strengthens us. Praise the Lord. Yeah. We, we could say amen to her. Yeah. Okay. Amen. Back there. Um, I think the scripture that says, uh, if we don't forgive others, you won't forgive us. But part of it is, like you said, um, if we can't receive his forgiveness, we cannot give it to others. 
if I don't recognize the mercy he's given me and the forgiveness, I will not be as kind and loving to other people. Will I? I have to recognize the great gift he gave me and that I'm not any better. And my sins don't smell any better than somebody who's done some really big sins in my mind because the Lord hates all sin. So yes, it gives me more nurture and kindness for other people. Anybody? Not to allow my, the things that happen around me to distract me from my Bible study. So don't, don't let the things around I'm saying it again for the speaker, um, for the microphone. Don't let the things around me distract me from doing what I need to do, which is to stay focused, stay in Scripture, praying, and doing what God wants me to do. Very good. I need to have a spirit of gratitude and praise despite my circumstances because that's what God asked me to do. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. You want to come? Oh, okay. Can you like say it up here because it sounds like it's longer. Go ahead. I just want, I don't know if I can repeat it all, but I will. You lost your mother this year. So somebody reached out with a card and said they knew that you were going to be missing your mother this Mother's Day, and they understood, and they were praying for you. And, they, and so that made you also recognize how you need to reach out to other people. By the way, there is such power in when we do things for other people, is there not? And that's what it should do is propel us to remember that, right? Like on, what is it, acts of kindness where people are doing things for other people? Yeah. Okay. Anything else? The importance of not allowing others to control our emotions. Don't allow other people to control your emotions. Don't hand them to them. Our attitude towards them is an attitude of forgiveness is so important. We need to have an attitude of forgiveness towards other people so that we can tolerate people and their behaviors differently. Okay? Anything else? Don't let people live rent-free in your brain that are... Don't allow people to live rent-free in your brain that are bothering you because you don't want them to occupy your thoughts when you have so many great thoughts of what God has done for you. Yeah, don't keep re-traumatizing yourself, right? Okay. It was the, you said about the long extension cord. Our life here is all here. Remember that we have eternity. We need to quit being so focused on this world and our lives here because our eternity is going to be so great and so different. So quit getting overzealous about this life, which is pretty bad in some ways. Okay. We need to pray for ourselves and our stability because we want to be stable so that the Lord can use us more effectively. Anything else? All right. You've been a really good class. I appreciate that. Renee, can I impact to ask you to come up and pray? Renee Coffey is a, is a teacher who just retired. Is that what I heard? She's been, she was at Goebbels Junior Academy for how many years? 33. 33 years. That's, that's called stability in a, a school program, isn't it? And I knew her from before when I was a new pastor's wife in Pontiac area. And so she's been in Michigan a long time. Yep. Yay, Michigan. Yep. Sure. All right, so you can have prayer with us. Father, we thank you so much for Lori and her willingness to share 
for expertise with us. We each have different problems, but you have solutions for each of those problems. Please be with us. Help us to turn to you and to let our lives be used by you to help others as we learn you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.